Hello, and welcome to Why Play Music. I'm your host, Steve Burke. If you're new here, welcome. The show works like this. Each episode, I interview a different musician with the aim of understanding why they do what they do. My guests and I perform a song live in studio. Then we pause and chat about music. We perform another song. We chat some more, then finish with a final song. I am fascinated by artists and their processes. Music can be a tough path, and every musician I know has made sacrifices, worked incredibly hard, and dedicated a significant part of their lives to working on developing this craft. I want to find out why. My guest today is Sam Talmadge. Sam Talmadge is a New York-based guitar player, singer, band leader, and songwriter. In addition to being an incredible performer, Sam is a passionate student of music. We talk about Sam's practice habits, his background in classical piano, and how he came to be obsessed with country and folk music in his mid-twenties. I hope you enjoy my performance and conversation with Sam Talmadge. Thank you. 
All right, Sam Talmadge, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice of you to, to take your time and do this. Um, oh, yeah. I know that we had a chance actually to have a gig tonight, and that gig ended up getting kind of postponed or canceled, so we filled in with this, so yep. thanks for doing yeah, that. Yeah, it's true. And so that band was with your trio. It's kind of like a, would you describe it as like a, I don't know, country jazz or western swing trio? Is that it? Yeah, it's funny. I feel like when I started it, I was more on the sort of finger-picking train, and I wanted to do a trio that was kind of doing originals that were finger-picked, but also sort of doing, like, Chet stuff, doing, like, Chet Atkins stuff and Merle Travis kind of stuff. But now I've been listening to more stuff that's sort of, like, it's, like, chamber country or, like, uh, the other term that I've heard for it is redneck jazz, which is a genre of music I've been listening to a lot. Uh, So that kind of stuff, just playing, like, yeah, country jazz stuff. Are there any players in that world that uh, you've gravitated to that you've, that you've really been checking out? Oh, yeah. They're all, like, guitar players. But, like, um, one player that I'm listening to a lot right now is this guy, Red Volkert, um, who I think lives in Virginia now, but he was, like, in Nashville and Austin. He was playing a lot of kind of... Well, he played for, like, Merle Haggard. He played for, like, a lot of different people. But I just saw these videos of him on YouTube playing with a trio, and I, I don't really think about this kind of music being played by a trio but he kills it and he like plays like all the rhythm parts and he kind of plays like a steel player sometimes he plays like a guitar player sometimes um but then also danny gatton danny gatton like is a guitar player who plays uh ridiculous alien like things but he i think he coined the term redneck jazz maybe i don't know but that kind of music has been something i've been listening to a lot and i feel like that's what i've been trying to do in our trio yeah yeah, I mean it's a really it's a really fun genre of music for me to play. You know, I've been playing in that trio along with Pele Greenberg, mm-hmm. right? And um, it's a really fun kind of music because it's like familiar and popular kind of chord progressions, or it's you know country style chord progressions with you know uh, an emphasis on improvisation and and a lot of group improvisation. Even though it's country music, there's a lot more yeah. interplay than maybe you know a band like your other band like the slide stops which is maybe more of a straight western swing or country band yeah yeah i think i really have been learning and liking improvising a lot more the last couple years but i still don't really play music that has like crazy changes and i like playing these kinds of songs that have three chords that are embellished enough where it's still the same changes but have some more stuff going on and then it's like a nice uh foundation to improvise on but yeah. Well, I'm really interested because you said just there that you've been getting into improvisation lately. And I know that you have a background in classical music. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about was like, when I think of your playing, I think of you as such a, such an incredible improviser and such a, a strong improviser, especially oh, within the styles that you check out, like from the finger picking, you know, you, you just have the command over that vocabulary in like a country setting and in the Western swing thing. And you seem to just really get into these genres and then be able to kind of speak the language. I, I, that's how I think of you as a, as a musician. Like huh. Your improvisation is really strong and you just always seem to sound like yourself, but also authentic. So like what role has improvisation, like tell, tell us about your journey with improvisation from oh, being gosh. like a classical musician to kind of, as you say, in the last few years, really putting more of an emphasis on improvisation. I think like the first time I can remember really improvising was I used to learn all the guitar solos from like Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses or like Jimi Hendrix or 
those guys. And then after a while, I was reading like tabs at the time and then watching YouTube videos of people play it. And then after a certain point, I got too tedious to do that. And I was like, I'll just make something up that kind of sounds like that. And I think that's when I started improvising. Um, and I definitely think that kind of music still is in my, like playing a lot. Like even if I'm playing like something really delicate, I still feel that kind of stuff. But then improvising for me for like most of my musical life, I kind of drifted away from that music and I got really into sort of like, I don't know if I call it improvising. It was like spontaneous composition, I guess. I wasn't like improvising like in a band, like there's changes and you're just playing a melody and then improvising over it. I was kind of into like playing classical piano and kind of aping these other composers and trying to come up with compositions on the spot because I was way more into composing. So I didn't really learn, I, I wasn't really into improvising in real time. I really wasn't in any bands like that, but I really liked making stuff up. I'd like play stuff at the piano and like my teacher would be like, you know, what's that? And I'd be like, oh, I'm just like making it up. But it wasn't like improvising over changes or jazz. And I feel like, you know, then I got really into folk music and got into finger picking. And that was a lot of sort of like coming up with stuff uh, spontaneously, but not, it not being sort of improvising in sort of the, I guess, musical colloquial sense. And then uh, just in the last couple of years, I started playing electric guitar a lot more. And now I'm really trying to like learn how to improvise in the moment with other people and listen and come up with stuff that isn't stuff I'm thinking about, like composing, but just really letting loose and I feel like right now, sometimes it really happens. And other times I realize I'm like thinking about stuff and it's, I don't know, it's just a different way of making music, you know? So it's like your original approach to improvisation or your original kind of exposure to it was composition. You know, it wasn't like you went through this, this training regimen that a lot of people go through with jazz music where you learn to, you know, play patterns through changes and you learn right. how to improvise in a jazz band. It was more just like you were writing music and you were just kind of fast at writing music and yeah and you just like to sit down and experiment is that is it that yeah when i played rock music and only rock music i could totally let go and play like a solo and feel very in the moment but then i i didn't use that muscle for like years and years and i only did what you're talking about and now i'm trying to bring the two together i feel like right now is like be play things that are like i don't know just play things that I hear, I guess. Um, cause I think I, I have a lot of ideas, but it's like a, a muscle that I just need to exercise more to like just letting it out in the moment kind of thing. And is yeah. that kind of the, the origin of the trio? Well, yeah, I think, I think I'm, I'm doing it in every project I'm in right now is just learning how to like, you know, just make stuff up, uh, while being like tasteful and letting like you know, the singer do what they're doing and like listening to the band. But the trio is definitely a big part of that because that's the most improvising I think I can do right now. And the and like the most improvisational project, like you said, most of the other stuff I'm doing is kind of country music where the moments are very regimented when things happen. But you still, in taking a solo in a country tune, I'm still trying to like not play something I know sounds good, but play, play something that just feels very natural in that moment. Yeah. And it seems like the, trio maybe has just a little bit more interplay with the rhythm section right i mean because i mean yeah because you and pele are insane improvisers like when i think of real like improvisers i think of like you and pele like i like yeah just just saying 
but very generous comment. Thank you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but no, really, like I'm surrounded by so many good improvisers who just can really make stuff up, and it just really inspires me. And I want to know. I want to keep getting better at that. And I'm, it's it's something I'm practicing a lot. So, but yeah, the, the the trio is probably my favorite platform to practice that kind of thing on. You know, is, is there something in this moment of your life that makes you drawn towards improvisation? Like, why improvisation, and why now? because uh i was doing only solo guitar stuff or i had a couple other projects but before covid i was doing mostly solo guitar stuff uh and then covid happened and then i think i had like kind of a musical revelation slash crisis slash big reckoning where i was i just realized that i should be playing music with other people and that that's what I really like doing. And that's what brings me joy. It doesn't bring me some things. I still, most of my favorite music is made by one person. And I mean like uh, one person at a time, not like one person in the world. But I think after COVID, I just was like, I'm going to play electric guitar again. One, because that's how I started playing music. Um, and then two, I'm going to play with other people. Uh, and that was in like August of two years ago it's two augusts ago that i was 2020 like 2020 or 2021 yeah that i was like i'm gonna you know play music with other people as much as possible um and yeah that's why it was just like a post-covid kind of thing you mm -hmm. know a lot of people i feel like had some kind of you know pivot in their life after covid and i think that was mine it was like wanting to play with other people and and so improvisation functions in that just in that it's there's more room to for that interplay or for that for that group improvisation or or you know where does where does improvisation fit into that i think before it was like playing solo finger picking guitar was like look at this thing that i've spent a lot of time and have a lot of emotional connection to and then improvising is like let's both share this like thing that we're doing right now in the moment and like it's never happened before something like that i don't know hmm. yeah yeah interesting yeah but you're, you, you mentioned taking piano lessons and your background is in classical piano. Is that it? Was that your first kind of serious music? No, it was rock guitar okay. when I was like 11. And then I got into classical piano, but like took it really seriously and only did classical music from like, I want to say 15, 15, 16, 16. I got really serious about it and then only did classical from 16 to 19. Wow. Yeah. And what, what types of things were you playing on the piano? What types of pieces? Oh, I just loved like the classics. I liked Beethoven. Beethoven's like one of my you know favorite like things, musicians, experiences ever. I just really liked Beethoven, but I played a lot of Beethoven, a lot of Chopin, a lot of Bach, Debussy, Messian. I liked all these guys, but um, I was also improvising. I was also like trying to compose and like improvise in the style of people i really liked doing that a lot there was like a couple of people that i listened to that were really good at improvising uh like in the moment um like uh oh man i'm blanking on his name i almost said grayson allen who's a basketball player but his first name was grayson and his second name was something else um but there there are a couple com composer improviser did that kind of thing i don't know i just played like classical music yeah like straight up classical music and didn't really do anything else for a few years. Um, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting shift from being like a rock guitar kid. I think a lot of us started out that way. Oh, yeah. Um, especially people play bass and guitar and drums and stuff. Like we get started in rock music and popular music. Um, some of us 
get into jazz if you're taking music more seriously kind of an obvious path might be towards jazz because you can do a jazz band in school or you can get into classical music if you play one of those instruments but you shifted to a classical instrument like you shifted from guitar to piano yeah it was because of radiohead which is like just ever it's like a lot of high school musician people probably end up liking radiohead but i just really liked radiohead like a lot and the, the guitar player he was also a classical composer and he was like my Sort Johnny of Greenwood. Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. Big, big hero of mine, like in high school. And I, I wanted to write classical music because I thought that was just really cool. And I think in between that, I was doing a lot of, like, I guess, weirder stuff on guitar. I played in, like, I don't know. I was, like, coming, trying to come up with, like, kind of weird guitar stuff, making a lot of psychedelic nonsense kind of stuff. And then I think I just got into classical music because of Radiohead and then but once I got into it that's just how I've always been once I get into something I'm just like totally obsessed with that thing until the next thing comes along and uh that was the thing for like three or four years and when you say you get really obsessed with it what does that depth look like like day to day like when you were 16 to 19 and you were as you were saying taking classical piano very very seriously and it was all you did I mean what did that look like what kinds of opportunities did you get were you performing and what was your i mean what was your life your musical life like i didn't have any i didn't have any like opportunities i would say i was just really obsessed for it and and what it was and like i played in one piano competition i got second place that was that was one thing that was like the only like i think classic classical thing that happened in my life but aside from that I played at my school assembly a couple times. I didn't go to any camps. Like I didn't go to any like musical camps. Eventually I went to a music high school. Like I went to Walnut Hill, which was like a classical music school. But for me, it just looked like waking up and then going to school and playing the piano and like skipping a lot of classes to play piano. And then like I took, I took lessons on at the time I took lessons on piano, clarinet, flute, composition i got really into theory like when i was 16 and 17 i was like at home in my basement my parents basement just reading theory books and trying to like understand as much as possible because i was wanting to compose and understand how it worked and like i didn't read music and and i think when i was 16 i was like oh i should read music and i just like got really just like serious about it um that's that's all it looked like. I was just staying up really late, like learning piano. My parent, I would, I had an electronic piano at home, and I would practice pieces. My parents would get really mad because I would put my headphones in, but my feet would keep stamping on the pedal because I was a very passionate young piano player. And they they would, my dad would just yell up in a thick southern accent, like Sam, what have I said? And I was like, Yeah, I'm sorry. But that's pretty much it. I was just playing classical music every day but i really liked playing for other people for mm-hmm. sure yeah. and so when you're taking all those private lessons was that in was that offered by the school or was that all extracurricular yeah. uh it was all in the school wow. all, all i went to like a high school called putney school and it was like a private high school that had a lot of different music teachers um and yeah i i was like yeah i had like five different private teachers it was really cool i mean i i, I yeah it was really cool 
and fortunate that I could do all that stuff. Because even if I sucked at clarinet and like only did one concert on clarinet and squeaked really loud, I definitely learned a lot from playing the clarinet. And like all these things feed, you know, what did a you, longer musical thing. What did the clarinet teach you? Uh, how hard it is to play a wind instrument and how to write for like clarinet winds and how to think about breathing. Uh, that was one thing that was really important was I think when I was writing, I didn't really understand that because <clears throat> as a, I had one composition teacher who would always make fun of me and said, or I, I, I learned how to play flute and he said, finally, you play a real instrument because it was like piano and guitar aren't real instruments. You don't have to breathe. You can just press buttons and it makes a nice sound. <laughs> so when I learned how to play flute and clarinet, I think I learned about breathing. I learned about melody. I had no sense of melody before then. Like I remember I would like, everything was just like riffs. Everything was riffs and chords and patterns. And I remember I had a composition teacher who got recommended to me and he was like, first thing we're gonna do is write a melody. I just had no fucking clue what to do, you know? And so then, uh, I learned how to play like woodwinds and then I was like, Oh, and then I started to really hear melodies and like, and now I just really am like obsessed with melodies, you know? Yeah. It's so interesting that, you know, what, what we can take from learning other instruments. Like I'm really fascinated with that right now. I've like done this big foray into learning the mandolin and learning like other genres of music through the mandolin. And I can just so relate to this idea. I mean, it's another stringed instrument. I mostly play stringed instruments, but the idea of like this instrument teaching me a lot about how to play my main instrument, you know, learn a lot about the role, the, the different roles in the band or the different perspectives on music that you get from playing other instruments. And um, it just sounds like at that point in your life, you were most, you weren't so concerned with like playing the piano. You were, it sounds like you were really concerned with like being a composer or like composing or like understanding music. Like you were getting yeah. into theory and composition, like, what what was this drive towards composition? I think it was just like the coolest thing to me. Or I just thought like writing music, having other people play it and getting to sit back and listen to it and write complicated music. I definitely think that was a part of it. I just, the more music I was making, the more I was kind of into just like weirder, more comp complicated. And then I found like the most kind of solitary complicated thing you can do which is like write class chamber classical music and i think i just liked the idea of it and then i just loved the music i was listening to and i wanted to make stuff like that and there was no one else really doing that at my school i think I it was like nice to have like a thing i think at that point in my life at the age i was at and the kind of mentality i had i was like whatever there's so many guitar players like so many electric guitar players like i should i'm gonna be like a classical composer that's pretty cool and <laughs> that was like that kind of thinking was definitely a big motivator in my when i was like a teenager so i think that was that was a big part of it and, and so this was a, this was a performing arts high school did you were you playing piano when you got there oh no and it was this the first i went to a school that wasn't a performing arts high school for three years it was like a private school but it was like a hippie Everyone had to like, I don't know, work on a farm or in the kitchen and ever, I don't know, but all the kids were like, you know, I, I don't know. I met a lot of kids who were like from New York and like they knew a bunch of really cool music that I didn't know and they were all like really hip and like, for example, our, our mutual friend, Henry Fitzpatrick. Henry Fitzpatrick went to Putney. He knew a lot of really cool music. Now Henry and I play in 
a lot of bands together <laughs> and it's pretty cool. But yeah, Henry is one of, one of the people. Um, but anyway, no, it wasn't like a performing arts high school. And I just came to Putney playing rock guitar. I was really into Pink Floyd when I came in. Uh, and then, yeah, and then I got into piano. I think it's, I started in sophomore year and then got really serious in junior year. I didn't do anything else, I feel like. And then transferred yeah. senior year to the to the music school. Exactly. Then senior year, I went to like a, a school where you, I majored in uh in quotes uh to i majored in classical composition and then what happened after that so you, you finished high school and then you did you go to music school yeah i finished walnut hill and then i went to nec new england conservatory for a year but that's when i started falling out with classical music and started really getting into folk music and the guitar again after having not really played the guitar for like a few years uh and i was 19 it was a summer and then I switched majors to they had a program called contemporary improvisation, um, which is just sort of everything that wasn't classical and jazz that the students were interested in. Uh, and then was there for a year. And then the first day of my junior year, I, I, I dropped out, but, um, but I made it two whole years. <laughs> yeah was there something that pulled you towards folk music? Was there some experience or some player that like really got you going on that? Yeah, there was. Um, uh, that summer I lived in this apartment uh, called Eight Walk Hill. And it was, the address was Eight Walk Hill. They just called it Eight Walk. And at the time I was subletting there. It was my first time living in an apartment at all. I was after my freshman year. I hadn't, it wasn't mine, but I was just subletting. And uh, the Ladles, Ben, you know, um, Katie Martucci, uh, Lucia um, Pontoniere, and uh, Caroline Kuhn were all, all in this band, and they were staying there. And they were just playing some songs that they were working on, and then I was living there, and they were like, do you want to play some songs, just some songs? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then we just played, like, some folk songs. I knew, like, a couple from high school, uh, and it was just great. I was just so excited about that because that felt like the first time that I'd like played music with other people in that way. It just felt so good. And that's, again, that's just how it is with me. Like that one day, the rest of that summer, I did nothing but work at a bakery, smoke a lot of weed and learn everything on every Mississippi John Hurt song. Learned the whole catalog and learn like john fahey's stuff elizabeth cotton's stuff and then i was just like okay this is it folk music that's what i'm gonna do and i really wanted to leave school at that point um but i was encouraged not to and i stayed and i kind of like did a little bit of that in school like there was a songwriter program i was really into writing songs at the time um but yeah folk music that was like all i was about for like a couple of years. I still love folk music. It's still good. still going on, but like that was like an obsession for a while. So it was really the ladles. It was that group, that group, that band that really got you going on it. Yeah. And they didn't even like, you know, they, they, they weren't like, listen to this cool. It was just like, you want to play some songs? And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Again, that thing, you know, playing music with other people. I feel like it just comes in waves in my life where I'll be very solitary with music. And then sometimes I realize, Oh, other people <laughs> like play music too. And, I should play music with other people. And, uh, <clears throat> um, but yeah. And then I just found recordings that old teachers, old friends had given me and I just listened to them a lot. 
just Mississippi John. Those three people I listed, just listen to them over and over and over again. What is it that you think you were hearing in that music? I mean, it seems such a juxtaposition to what you were doing just before that. Like to listen to some scratchy old recordings of these like amazing, you know, hidden folk musicians or, you know, just legendary guitar players like Elizabeth Cotton, like, um, it's just such a such a different world from where you were in. Like, w- like why then, and, why, and like why that music? You think? Um, I don't know. It was just so magical to me, yeah. and like, I just that music just made me so emotional. And I, I just, uh, it's one person. That was the common denominator for a while with the folk music was. I think it was really nice to play with other people, but the recordings I was listening to were just these guitar players, banjo players, singers that were playing alone. Um, And to me, that was just like, it was just so good. And I just wanted to learn. I think, honestly, it's funny now, I I said the, the playing with other people thing was what inspired me, but I think there was something, again, really just amazing to me about listening to one person play and containing their whole universe, their whole like life, in their guitar playing and just playing alone. It's just, I just think it's like, I still think that's like, that's, that's it. So, yeah. We're going to do another song, um, kind of in the same realm, right? This is, this is going to be a folk song. Want to uh, introduce the song a little bit? Oh yeah. Um, this is a, this is a song I wrote a long time ago actually, but I picked it because it's a song that, uh, Steve Pelle and I have been playing and it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun to play. It's a song I wrote. It's called Summertime Again. I wrote it uh, in like 2018, which is crazy. It's like five years ago. But it's one of the, it's one of the few songs of mine that, that I still play. So, yeah. Very good. Want to cool. play? Let's it? do it. Yeah, yeah. Hello, can anybody die? 
back so that was uh summertime again right that's mm-hmm. originally yours yeah long time i wrote it like a long time ago yeah that song's been stuck in my head like i think it's stuck in my head for like five days after we play a gig just nice stuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then i actually had this experience where i was noodling on the mandolin and i was like oh this i think i have an idea for a song and then i'm gonna write something and then it was just that song oh it was just no. that melody i was like oh <laughs> that's awesome right. uh mission accomplished great <laughs> but so one thing i want to talk about is uh going back to the your origin so you grew up in new hampshire right and these schools that you attended were both in new england is that right the high schools yeah first high school was in vermont second one was in massachusetts but you grew up in new hampshire right Mm -hmm. and where in new hampshire it was a little town called walpole uh it's like an hour north of northampton it's near brattleboro and Keene. to if that means anything to anyone probably not uh but yeah, like really small town. Maybe like the town itself is probably like, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand people. Maybe maybe more. I don't know. Very small town though. So coming from such a small town, I mean, you first went to these schools that were kind of in the country. Is that right? Like they weren't really urban schools, right? Oh yeah, no. They were all very small in, in the country. I think my graduating eighth grade class was probably like 70 people. And then my high school was 250 people. And then Walnut Hill was like 350 people. And that school felt really big to me. And then from there, you transitioned to to Boston, which is a big city compared to the rest of your life, right? I mean, that's that's quite a transition. What was that like? Did did you have any struggles moving from such a rural area to to more of an urban lifestyle? No, I liked cities. I visited New York a lot when I was like in high school because of my cool hip friends from New York in high school. And I I feel like I, I liked cities and looked forward to going to cities um uh so not really i don't think i had i had any problem adjusting to like being in boston in terms of the city i think more just like the school was tough sometimes and like the social environment and just like kind of what music school is very small school um 
and it was like a weird environment. So I think I had trouble adjusting in terms of that, just cause I had like the school, like Putney, the first high school I went to was so different than like going to music schools. I think some of my friends ended up going to like kind of like liberal arts schools where maybe it was similar. And I, when I was in college conservatory, I was like trying to visit those schools and see my friends as often as possible. Cause I feel like I wasn't well adjusted to like being in a conservatory sometimes that's how I felt. What types of things were hard to adjust to? Is it a higher level of rigor or just discipline or I think there's expectations or there's like a few things. I think when you're in like a little tiny high school, you're maybe like a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And then maybe you go to another school and then you're surrounded by people who, I mean, I was surrounded by people who were like just so much more heavy into what they were doing. So they've been learning for so long. They were like so dedicated. They were so good at what they were doing. And that's kind of intimidating to like go somewhere where people are so good at what they're doing. Um, And then also it was just like, um, I don't know. I made, I still have so many close friends from when I went to, NEC people that still live in New York people I keep in touch with that don't live in New York but it was still socially a pretty weird environment for me living in the dorms and NEC was pretty weird and like um yeah I just feel like it was a a strange time that uh I think I was yeah I that's I ended up leaving just because it was such a weird time musically and uh and socially and Oh, the whole the whole thing. I think music school in general is weird. It's like this special thing in your life that you end up like taking classes in, and then it kind of takes for some people. For me, it took some of the magic out of it. But I think I also just had the wrong attitude about it. Like if I went back, I'd probably be a little more like, "Oh, this is a good opportunity. I should do this." But instead of being like, "Oh, you know, the magic is gone with music. What's what's wrong with that?" I don't know. You know what I mean? I I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, And I can relate. I mean, I went to Berkeley and left Berkeley after a short time. And I feel like for me, it was similar. Like I I enjoyed it. I I liked the opportunity, but at that point in my life to make such a big decision or to, to focus so much on this particular lifestyle or this particular subject, it surrounded by people who just seemed like they were years ahead of me. It yeah. just was, it was a lot. And uh, I think that's something that unfortunately is, is true for music schools. Maybe it's true for other school environments, yeah. competitive school environments, but music school, it just seems like it's kind of a common experience. And this is the field that I'm in. So this is what I'm exposed to more, but it's something that I don't know that people outside of music really know that much about. Like it, it's such a factor within the music world that music school is very intense and rigorous and remember my first semester at Berkeley, I think I was in like 11 classes and it was like maybe three or four like actual classes, but then you still had to keep track of like seven once a week, 45 minute clinics and, you know, just really difficult schedule for an 18 year old to keep Yeah, for me, you know, and for a lot of other people I watch struggle with it. And it sounds like something in that lifestyle, the dorm lifestyle, the college lifestyle, like maybe you feel that you would have had an easier time at another school, but you know, I think college is just difficult and it's something that I I certainly have a lot of compassion for kids who who struggle in, in, in school and college. It's, it's quite an adjustment. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a grass is always greener situation, but I I really envied like my friends who went to, you know, 
uh, I don't know, like Smith. I, I always went to Northampton. So my friends at like Smith and Hampshire, or like they went to some other liberal arts school in a different part of the country or whatever. But I, I, yeah, I just was like, wow, they're like having fun and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like here and the, these, there's these practice rooms and I'm just like practicing and yada, yada, yada. So meanwhile, your attention was elsewhere. It was on, it was on folk music and music that you weren't studying intensely well, in an it, academic environment. Well, that first year I was really still really serious about classical music and was like really, really into it. But then yeah, then then it was then I had a summer where I, I turned into did different Sam, I guess, and then I was really into folk music and switched my major accordingly to the the program that I guess kind of accommodated that. And there were other folk musicians. I mean there was like yeah, like the ladles, all those people I just mentioned were there and Damon Smith and Elise Levy. There's like these amazing songwriters and that was really cool, but it's still I was just kinda there was something that I still wasn't feeling great about and then and then other things for other unrelated reasons weren't great either. So I was just like, that's I, I stopped going. But so you stopped going, and then what happened next? Because I mean, you didn't lose your passion for music, or at least not permanently. So um, yeah. what what happened then? Were you did you dive deeper into the folk music? Did you dive deeper into just studying music in general, or did you take a break? What happened? What happened after NEC? After I left NEC, that was when I was in songwriter phase. Like I feel like that happened after maybe like finger picking introduction and phase was then i got into all the songwriters i got in like i feel like a lot of the big canon of like folk singer songwriters and was writing my own songs and performing as much as i could and like playing at the houses and all the little venues in boston as much as i could i was in this band uh with called ruthless moon with elise levy caroline kuhn and dan klingsberg which is like oh my gosh when i think about being in a band with those three people again in my life that would be so cool i think i took it for granted because they're oh my gosh they're all they're all so good uh i was in that band and we recorded an album and i was just like i don't know i was working at a, a new bakery in boston and then i worked at another bakery and kind of started teaching i had like two private students and then was just writing songs and really getting into like trying to be a songwriter with like a capital s it was like all about that one one thing i'm really curious about is you mentioned this kind of emphasis on not spontaneous composition entirely but being able to sit down and be creative i mean does that process come out in your songwriting as well is your songwriting kind of playful and, and improvisatory too or is it a different process no i think i'm the most boring songwriter on the planet in terms of process i really feel like i have one very small moment of like inspiration i come up with an idea and the rest of that is sitting down and coming up with like in a very deliberate way the most logical like a lot of the songs don't end up sounding like this but they i really do just sit down and try to find the most logical maximally best musical decisions i can make within a song no i feel like the way i write songs it's not very playful you're not afraid of overthinking no definitely not i and I, I have found out how to do that in an in a way that I think from composition, this is very much how it was like balancing moments where I feel like I feel inspired and like there's an idea that comes very organically out of like my head and, or, or my just that moment, but then kind of bouncing back and forth between like a moment of inspiration, how do I support it and being very, very rational about it. And then if that I can tell it's getting a little 
I'm spending too much time doing that, then I'll go on a walk or I don't know, I'm in the shower or I'm doing something that has nothing to do with it. And then something else happens. I'll go back and forth. I feel like anything I'm working on it, like right now, that's kind of how I'm doing improvisation. Like I'll work on it, try to come work up with it, work up ideas in a very regimented way. And then when I walk around, I'm still working on it in my head, like different ideas. And those are the ideas that feel much more true. And then I'll come back and try to work on those ideas. So I feel like that's how I've always since like 15, 16, like tried to balance that. And that was something I feel like was, I got better at maybe in music school. So, uh, were you always so, uh, disciplined about your songwriting schedule? Like, were you, was it always a, a disciplined kind of organized schedule or do you, st- I mean, I know some songwriters kind of require the muse. They require kind of getting hit with the inspiration in order to write a song or can you just kind of sit down and start writing? I feel like when I was really into writing songs, I don't write songs that much anymore. Uh, I'm more focused on guitar. Excuse me. Um, but I think I went through phases where I felt very inspired because life was hard <laughs> or something or like I was having a tough time. And then sometimes I was sort of in a practice of really trying to write songs every week, uh, really keep a steady practice, like working on something every day. But I do feel like, I feel like... I, I don't require it. If I wanted to write a song, I could probably do it right now pretty pretty easily, but I it might not be good. It probably won't be good because it was written with very deliberate, intentional brain. But I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of like formulas. It's a lot of my musical life. I feel like it's kind of these formulas that I think I can use because I'm always thinking in that way just patterns and stuff. So even though you do have these formulas and you do have these processes to kind of, as we said, like overthink or be really deliberate and as you said, like musically logical about how to finish an idea, it still requires like some kind of inspired nugget at the beginning in order to get that process going. Yeah. I think I, I could write without it, but I think most of the times when I feel good about a song or a composition or a finger picking thing, whatever i it's it's i think if it happens naturally it's always better but i've definitely done a lot of just sort of like squeezing anything i can out of a moment that feels incredibly uninspired and just hopefully the ball gets rolling that way yeah and in this phase of your life where you're working more on improvisation how disciplined or organized is your practice routine oh yeah no improvisation i was really just writing songs like no, sorry, I, but in like, sorry, but in this moment, like as you oh, mentioned, like right now you're not in songwriter mode, you're more in guitar practice yeah. mode. So what's your practice routine like these days? Oh, um, my practice is unfortunately very not routine, but on a good day, I feel like I'm trying to play guitar every day. Some days I just play, um, if, if I get to sit, you know, am I, if I'm alone and I'm playing and I'm working on stuff, it'll usually be, I sit down and depending on like how long I get to practice, if I get three hours in the studio, um, I'll work 20 to 20 minutes to 30 minutes on like technique. And I'll just make sure, just try to learn new patterns. Like, I don't like I'm le- doing a lot of country guitar right now and I'll literally just bend strings for 20 to 30 minutes working on tuning and like uh, playing scales with bent strings. That's just an example. So I'll do that and then, for an hour maybe, I'll listen to something that I'm really 
listening to a lot like in the car and then really listen to it and figure out what's going on and like take the guitar solo or the guitar riff or like pedal steel solos or whatever and then just work on that i'll like sometimes i'll sing it sometimes i'll, I'll like sing with it and then sing without it and see and just so i see how deeply i can get it into the really back back part of my mind sometimes if it's something that's not singable that's really not like like that then i won't do that but that's part of it i'll really really try to learn like something that i like i'll try to put it in every key and do all the thing like all the i don't know kind of classic things that you might do to do i'll put it in different keys i'll i had a, a friend tell me recently to like play solos and then randomly interject the new thing that you're learning into it so that it can like get incorporated like egg whites in a batter or something <laughs> without like crushing it but still just letting it naturally get incorporated and then for the rest of the practice i'll practice improvising and just playing or i'll play along with like play along with just random stuff that i like like i'll go into playlists and just play stuff and play along with it or I'll improvise on a song for a while, going back and forth between playing rhythm and then soloing, rhythm, soloing, coming up with different ways to play over different grooves and different songs, stuff like that. But that's just right now. I feel like it's been different, different points in my life, depending on what kind of music I'm into. Do you enjoy practicing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Like a lot. And like, I I never want to do it. That's the really weird thing. I'm always, I, I, I really do have to sit myself down because I, I, in the moment, I'd much rather be watching TV. Uh, or like anything else but the minute i start i just like will stay there in the studio practicing until very late at night we'll just like go 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 and it's that part of you that gets really obsessed or really yeah, locked in but it's always starting is the hardest part i feel like i can go days without practicing because i'm like yeah because there's so many things that are more i don't know immediately enjoyable like tv and food and uh stuff like that but um but yeah once i get going it's like I, I love practicing what is it about practicing what what do you think pulls you in just like getting you know if you i feel like when i start practicing it's like ugh <laughs> and then and then i'll practice scales and be like all right like cool and then it's a great description and then you know then i'll learn something and then i just love you know getting that part of the brain going like i love listening to things and trying to play them back i feel like i love doing impressions of things and i love like getting really wrapped into a world at first if it's for like three years or if it's for like three minutes i really love just getting like as deep into like music something as possible and then i'll feel like i'll improvise and then i'll get in kind of like a like a flow or something you know that that's when i, I can stop thinking and then like really just play and i just really 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 enjoy it it gives me a lot of the same pleasure as like when things feel really good playing a gig or something yeah that kind of flow state that kind of just yeah. like seamless connection to your instrument and to music yeah and if anything i feel like right now i'm trying to practice uh playing getting that that feeling when i'm playing with other people and, and giving, letting, giving the space and just letting that happen, you know, cause I feel like most of my life I've played music alone. Um, and then when I play with other people, it's like, I just, it's, it's sometimes it's hard for me to get that going, but it's happening more and more. And like, that's, that's something I try to practice in person. And when I'm practicing is trying to just 
let go as quickly and efficiently as possible. So I'm not like thinking. Like, you know? Yeah, let go of what? Just like thinking about the music or like judging or critiquing. Your, I, mean, I mean myself. Uh, but yeah, and life. I feel like sometimes it's hard to really settle down when maybe you're playing a gig that you don't want to play or like maybe you're tired or maybe things aren't going well and just figuring out how to as quickly as possible, like meh, get rid of it so that you can enjoy playing music. And then the nicest, then the nicer things start, start coming out of the instrument. I feel like. Yeah. I think that that self judgment thing is such an interesting question. It's something that I'm, I'm dealing with a lot in my own practice. I've always have, you know, to, yeah. to, cause it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting equation. It's like in order to sound good, you need a certain level of confidence about what you're doing. You need to believe in it because yeah. you can hear if you, somebody doesn't believe in what they're playing, but at the same time, like you're trying to improve every day and you're trying to get into it. And what that means is like being very analytical and very clear about your shortcomings Yeah, and trying to get over those. And yeah, so it can be kind of a challenge to say, like in the practice room, compartmentalize that self-judgment in a healthy way, just, you know, looking at what's going on, but then on the gig to not get hung up on that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, to, to just accept what happens. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, have you ever had a moment in your musical career, your musical life where that kind of self-judgment became too heavy? Oh my God. All the time. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like all the time. I think, uh, uh, I definitely, when I'm sort of getting into these different genres, like whatever genre I was into, I was just like, I think very dead set on doing it the best I could. And if I listened back or was playing something in the moment and it didn't feel good, I had a, I had have still a really hard time grappling with that. Um, and it's funny because I played music alone so much and like most of my musical life was like playing like YouTube cover videos, like playing alone in my room or, um, composing, coming up with stuff where I had all the time in the world to change things. That's a really easy antidote for that is being able to do another take, take another cover video of welcome to the jungle and be satisfied with the second one. But that's something that's really hard in the moment is if you're playing with people in front of people and you can't go back. And I think that's where I gets, it gets tough. If I hear a video of something and I don't like what I played, it's also almost always because I'm not feeling it. I'm kind of like, I can tell that I'm tense or thinking about the music and that's bad. And, and, or maybe it's because I don't know it that well. And I'm like, I should have been more prepared, but yeah, I get really like, I get really bummed if like I'm not playing stuff that I think is, is good after the fact or, in, or in the moment even worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sure. just seems like such a game and it, 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 it's kind of the whole thing with improvisation is like, it, it's so, it's so psychological in addition to being like, you got to get your technique together. You got to get the theory together. You got to figure it out. So much of it is almost like I've, I've always thought of it almost like a like a sport like performance psychology is such a big part of it but i don't necessarily hear a lot of people talk about that how you know how you approach a gig how you what your mindset is coming into it 
is is kind of everything and and i think the greats one thing that makes them great is that like their worst nights they're still doing it and they're not Mm -hmm. they're not defeated by it and and even if they sound awful you you don't really hear that self-judgment in it the way that you know maybe we can hear it in ourselves whether or not other people can detect it you know it's oh yeah and then i feel like a lot of the time you know you feel bad but then maybe you know people are like wow that was great (laughs) and then maybe yourself three weeks later you listen back and like oh that was all right yeah that definitely happens where i'll feel pretty not great playing something uh maybe it's something especially difficult but then i'll listen back and it's like oh good you know that's not it's not as uh, weird as i thought but um yeah, it's a funny thing because right now, actually, I'm working. I, I just finished working on this uh, album with Camille Schmidt, who's my you know, my good friend and my roommate. And uh, she's doing her like first album. Pele is also on it. We're working with Pele an awful lot these days. Shout out to Pele. Shout out to Pele. And, uh, and Eli Heath is playing bass. And the producer, Phil Weinrobe, uh, we recorded over five days and we didn't do any preparation before. We just made all the arrangements on the spot, recorded, and we didn't we didn't listen to anything the whole time we were there. And it was 10 songs. And that kind of thing is freaky to me because that's the kind of thing where later you hear how it sounds and who knows how you're going to feel. Maybe it'll be like way better than you thought. Maybe it'll be kind of weird. Maybe you won't be satisfied with it, but you just have to kind of make do. But I, I honestly felt like I learned a lot just from that because I'm so dead set on getting that most perfect one option in the world, something in, in music. But then there's this, we just made 10 songs in five days and made them very in the moment and nobody's heard any of it yet. And so there's no, there's no room to be like judgmental because we, I don't think we were allowed to be. Yeah, and it was never going to be perfect, and that's part of the aesthetic, yeah? I think so, yeah. I mean, I'd never recorded anything like that. I've only ever done things where there's a lot of comping and, like, sitting down, record, listen, record, listen. I haven't done even that much recording in my life, but all, all the stuff I have done, it's like that. It's like back and forth, back and forth. And the stuff I did on my own, it's like that. I don't know. Like my solo guitar album. Uh, like, I, both of them. It was just a lot of listening trying to get the best possible thing, but then losing some other quality. So, Like what other quality do you lose when you... Like the the sort of just like, bam, there it is. Like the first take is always the best kind of thing. But, but I don't know. Yeah, this last project really made me think maybe I should like, you know, just let things happen and be as honest as possible. Not, you know, not get wrapped up in making the best radio ready take or something yeah it's funny i i feel like this is a conversation that's going around with a lot of musicians these days like i think part of it is this emergent this emergence of technology that can perform really amazing sounding music like very like ai ai music ai art that everybody kind of just feels even if it hasn't really touched us yet like we can feel that it's coming and and i think for me at least i feel like there's what I want to emphasize is the humanness of music. Like that's yeah. what's interesting to me. That music is so uninteresting to me or that way of producing art is so uninteresting to me because I, I just don't feel the humanness of it. Even if it's whole purpose is to trick me into thinking that it's a human. 
Yeah. Um, but now when I hear music that's too polished or too clean, I, I sometimes wonder that too. Like, oh, I wish I wish there was a little bit of grime to it. I wish something was a little out of tune sometimes. I wish I couldn't like hear that they recorded this to a click. Like I wish, yeah. like you listen to old, I don't know, I've been listening to bluegrass lately and you listen to the old bluegrass music and it, it'll speed up 8 BPM over the course of like a two minute oh, song. Oh yeah, I and know. I, I just yeah. find it really interesting. Like, if you could just embrace the aesthetic of the imperfection or embrace the live aesthetic. Um, well, it's tough to embrace. I think when the stuff you're consuming on like the school bus at school, your whole, my whole life. Sorry. I'm going to start using the word. I, I feel like I consumed a lot of music that was to a click and was very heavily produced. And I think whether or not that's the music you're like obsessing over that like becomes the, the canvas further but maybe you get into like you know i got into folk music i got into music that was very much not steady like listen to elizabeth cotton it's like speeds it up slows down it's awesome but uh i feel like that's part of it it's it's like really a part of my of our musical conscience consciousness i guess uh is the click and like maintaining an even a steady tempo and like these sounds you know it's a weird thing. It kind of freaks me out. Hopefully, like, the AI music will make room for, like, a, you know, who knows? Maybe, like, top 40 music will just be so rhythmically unsteady in, like, 40 years because everyone gets really unattracted to, like, AI music. Who knows? And then the AI will be good enough to do that. And then who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But I do, I, the one thing I was going to point is just how interesting it is to go from a life of pursuing perfection. I mean, a lot of musicians are in that camp where we're, we're working out our flaws. We're working on getting our, our time good. We play with metronomes. It's great. It's, it's an amazing thing that humans can do. And I fully embrace it, like embracing, you know, getting better, like really trying to, trying to find clarity in the playing. But I find it really interesting that you spent a lot of years really chasing a kind of perfection that, is in classical music where it's a kind of music where perfection really, I mean, I can't speak to it. I'm not a classical musician, mm-hmm. but my understanding of it, right. is like, it's a lot of let's perform what's on the page and there's some room for interpretation, but it's really about performance and it's really about like how clean and how, how accurate are you playing this music? Yeah. And then for you to go from like being really heavy into that, into finding these scratchy old recordings and finding this, this real human quality of one person singing into a can with a guitar. Yeah. Um, and as you said, like bringing their whole lived human experience right into that room, right into that can, right into that song. Yeah. Uh, and the real lived human experience is bumpy and <laughs> not polished and will never be, you know, absolutely clean and crystalline and immortal. Yeah. I think uh, the other thing is I, I really think those tastes those those proclivities really just mirrored also how I was just feeling about life and like the kinds of things I was I believed in and like my worldview. Um Yeah, I think when I was really into classical music, I was really in I think I was a really kind of an idealist, I guess, in all aspects of life. I think I really thought there was like one truth. Or I really thought there was like one one uh one true beginning and end and and you know i'm getting a little, a little weedy here but like you know that's getting good. a little little but you know that that i think that's that's definitely how i was feeling about life 
And I think now I don't feel that way. I feel a lot more just like, I don't know, things are happening and I want to try to embrace it, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean? Like things are happening. What? You just, just accept, accept the things that aren't ideal. I guess. Yeah. I think, I I think, yeah. Uh, Everyone has like a different, I think spiritual connection or like kind of feeling about, you know, their, how they're, acting and seeing things in the world and i don't know i think things have changed a lot over the last like 10 years for me and i think always what's going on in that department is always kind of perfectly reflected in whatever music i'm working on like to a t i don't really yeah i really thought about that till now (laughs) but i really think that's true yeah when i was like into the rock music and i was into the classical music and then i was was like kind of a bridge which was made of folk music and then now it's like I'm just playing a lot of country music and I don't know what what does that say about you I don't know I don't know what philosophy could be a good analog for country music but I'm just doing it a lot I don't know like if you told me four years ago that I would be like obsessed with country music and like learning all these pedal steel licks on guitar and playing like pretty much 80% of my gigs are all country music I'd be like no way that's ridiculous. Country music is so silly, but that's where I'm at. So, Do you feel that there's a spiritual side to your music? Not right now. <laughs> to be honest, no. I feel like I feel like I used to have these big spiritual ideals for music and like wrote about it a lot and like was really into some I now feel like it was kind of goofy stuff spiritually and and but these days I really don't I, I don't really have like a big spiritual relationship to the world um i'm not like you know i don't know i've gone through phases of like getting into weirder spiritual stuff and then i I went through a phase of like just only reading the bible for like a year but i was not brought up i wasn't brought up religious right now i don't really have that right now i'm really just kind of like playing a lot of country music it's like a lot of fun uh and I just feel like it's really fun and the experience when it's good is kind of like what is motivating me to keep playing it. And when I hear other really amazing guitar players or musicians or anything that motiv- keeps motivating me, like the pleasure of like hearing it and playing it, but no. And if anything right now, I'm kind of hoping this summer, this year, this life to like get back to playing like kind of solo stuff and really dig deep into like what's actually what's changed you know i have no idea what it would be like if i wrote solo guitar music again i think it'd be very different because things have changed and i'd love to hear it me too i don't know when it'll happen right now i'm just like kind of busy and like just playing the telecaster (laughs) and i think at some point i need to sit down and check in see what's going on on all on all fronts yeah that's great. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll wrap it up here pretty soon. But the theme of this podcast and the name of this podcast is why play music. I find it a really interesting question to ask musical collaborators and musicians. Because um, what I realized throughout the years is that everybody like approaches this thing from a different from a different angle, and it can sometimes be you can draw lines based on what instruments people play. Like pianists seem to be different than bass players and saxophone players seem to be different than violinists. I, I just find it really interesting, the different reasons why people play music. And then for somebody like you and me, like 
somebody like you who's just really made music your life from a really young age and it seems like you kind of chose music to be your livelihood and to be your day-to-day like every day yeah um why 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 music why why do you play music i feel like the answer has been really different at different points um i think at one point it was just because it was really fun and then later on it was because because i didn't know how far it would go and like i wanted to figure out how deep music went and then in another point like a couple years ago i really asked myself that question because i was having a tough time musically and like my life things were really bad the worst they had ever been and i was like why should i keep doing this and the first answer was just like i can't do anything else right now like it's not a very fun answer but like at one point i really feel like it was like because this is where i'm at i have no training in anything else uh and this is like because i don't feel like kind of doing anything else you know i can i don't feel like i could but the answer right now is just because it's like really fun and that's good you know because i think the answer has been kind of weird and complicated at different points but right now i'm playing music because it's really fun and the secondary answer is because it's been a way for me to meet people. And in the last two years, I feel like I've met more people than I have in like my whole life combined. It feels like, like, I feel like I'm, I'm getting to just meet random people. And it's really, it's really nice. Everyone likes music. Not everyone likes country music, which I understand, but everyone likes music. And I feel like there's a lot of opportunities just to like, yeah meet meet people and make music with them and you you, all different kinds of funny things happen when you're playing a show or going to someone else's gig or playing music at a party um or uh steve's steve has a cat in this room and it's just appearing and reappearing in other places of the room um but yeah shout out to huckleberry huckleberry is just like a planet orbiting our little recording zone. Yeah, playing music is it's fun. <laughs> that's my answer. I think that's a great answer, and I think yeah. I think that's a lot of people's answer. And I think I think you can take that idea really far. Like you can take the idea of fun really far. I mean, it's life. You know, it's it, you're here for a short time, and to pursue something because it's fun, I don't think is the same thing as like. It can sound hedonistic or it can sound kind of shallow to do things just to seek pleasure. But I don't think that the kind of pleasure that you get from music is akin to the same types of like hedonistic pleasure that you might say, well, it's not so healthy to just pursue pleasure all day long every day. No, it's like joy. Hmm. It's like, ah, Camille told me some, the, the, the qualifying differences between joy and pleasure Oh man, I can't remember what it has something to do with effort. It's like it's like good feelings plus effort oftentimes manifests as joy or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, music is like joy. Like if it feels if it feels good, it doesn't always feel the best, but when it feels good, it's like really good. And yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. the joy and the pleasure of like meeting other people, which is for sure a a 
a wonderful, deep way of living life is, is spending it with other people or sharing your, your passion and your love with other people. And yeah, it seems like for you, music has, has been that, like from that moment where you were playing with the ladles and they invited you to play and that was fun. And it was probably funner than what you were doing just before that. Oh my God. It was so much more fun. It was like just playing songs with people for like an hour was like more fun then i had a lot of fun with certain classical music things but like yeah that was great and uh and i had a lot of fun playing with like uh i'm in this band called whale noises right now we've been playing since we were 16 and we had a band in high school called whale noises and playing music with those guys and getting to know those guys i'm still super tight with those guys is also good you know yeah it's all good but there's also a joy in playing by yourself yeah and that's like different really different i feel like the feeling i get from playing by myself is like it's not joy it's like it can be but it really is like that's the thing that i'm really missing right now if i'm being honest and i I think i'd like to at some point in my life orbit back to is yeah i really want to like yeah and that feeling is like i don't even know i don't know i'm not sure what it is it's like it's like uh it's like one of those words. I feel like the Germans have a word for it, but I don't know if if we do. Uh, like, like actualization or something like that. Some some funny word like that. Just like feeling really in that moment. Like this is my life. This is what I'm making. Just feeling very realized, very present. Yeah, like very present and very like. Yeah, it's just very different. When I'm playing like Telecaster in a band and think that it's really fun and people are having a good time, I'm like smiling and like just having a, a good time. And then, but if I'm like alone, there's nobody in there and I'm just making music and I'm working and I'm playing this instrument that I've been playing for half my life, more than half my life now. It's just really, if, I, if I'm in the right state of mind and I'm, I'm really, something has happened that feels very honest and like uh good it's just like really really nice almost makes me emotional thinking about it because i'd like to have that feeling soon yeah well sam we'll we'll wrap it up here we'll play one more song um before before we go is there anything else you want to share you can shout out your bands i mean you 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 want you want to tell people where they can find you yeah um i'm in a band called the slide stops which is a country band that um, I'm in, uh, with, uh, John Cushing and we're playing a bunch of dances. If you want to come see like some fun grinning country music and come dance, we're playing all kinds of shows at different parts and parts of Brooklyn. Uh, and yeah, that's it. I'm on Instagram. Slide stops are on Instagram. And yeah, thank you, Steve. This was really nice. Well, thanks I for doing it. this a lot. I did too. Yeah. Yeah. Want to introduce this final song that we're gonna do? Uh, yeah, it's really fast. I'm a little nervous, but it's gonna be great. This is called uh, "Main Street Breakdown," which is a like a guitar. It's almost like a guitar etude by Chet Atkins. Um, it's in B flat. Um, it's from this album that he has. Oh, what's it called? I like want to plug this album. I can't remember, but it's 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 on it's on like YouTube and Spotify. Uh, and it's just a bunch of instrumentals by Chad Atkins from before he like started 
recording like the Nashville sound stuff and made a lot of sparkly arrangements. This is like kind of just him ripping probably in his like 20s. And it's so it's a very good album. It's called the Main Street Breakdown. All right, let's do it. Thank you. 